0: hey it's craig finn from the hold steady here uh recovering from the four shows at brooklyn bowl pardon my voice being a little ragged um but um i had the opportunity to hang out at brooklyn bowl with uh dave gardner who someone i've recorded a lot of music with and share a lot of uh personal history with i personally met dave and uh Thanksgiving of 1989 when I was back home from college and he was a freshman at McAllister College. We've uh, worked a lot together. He continues to master um, a lot of the records I've made and we've made. And we had a conversation about Separation Sunday in particular. I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Dave. So we recorded Almost Killed Me um, with Dean and Matt Henderson. And French Kiss had some budget, I remember, not a right. big budget, but some budget bigger than what we had in Almost Killed Me. And they had gotten us free recording time at Gigantic. Yes, indeed. Um, and uh, that allowed us to come up with the plan to bring you out to sort of double team it with yeah. Dean. Do you remember what our pitch was or what? Like- I think
1: that if I remember correctly, I've been trying to think about this because Tad asked me, and I, I think the thought was that, like, you guys on Almost Killed Me were like, this dude is awesome, like, you know, the, and and we're just like, you know who would be really awesome to get together with Dean? Now that we have a little bit of money, let's see if Dave will come out. And uh, I think, that, you know, there was also, like, at that point the record was, I think, like, I, I want to say like kind of 90% done musically but you guys were still kind of work it felt like you guys were still working fronds into it and there were ideas that you wanted to sort mm-hmm. of fill things out and on the last lift or puller record we had done that whole thing where each of you guys remember we had like four minutes of uh, one of the two inch reels left and so I had each mm-hmm. of you guys be like take a minute and just lay something down for a minute and then we built those songs off of sort of the you Steve doing something you doing something, Tad doing something and Dan doing mm-hmm. something, and I think that was a general idea, I was like oh well maybe if I was taking a little bit more of a trying to work on some of the stuff with Spurring like with like Tad on and trying to while Dean focused on you know, it, it allowed us to kind of keep some things moving and, and
0: we'd obviously, backing up done Lifter polar yeah. Fiestas and Fiascos with you as well as Entertainment and Arts so there's a working relationship, but there was a feeling there was maybe a psychology or a, at least a, long, a lot of experience that you could bring to the yeah, table. Yeah, I think that I think
1: that was, think and, that was it, because at that time, oddly enough, I had sort of decided for no apparent reason when I try and reflect mm-hmm. that I was like, okay, I'm just going to master. I'm kind of retired from production. And I think I, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, I don't know, there's some record, and I can't remember what record it is, that I did, like, probably six months before we did Separation Sunday, that the experience was just so fucking negative that I was like, "I'm done doing this." Um, and I, I
0: was it Dylan 4? No, Ford? it was never
1: Dylan 4. Those guys that was always like stressful, but yeah. never negative. You know, yeah. um, I don't know what okay. it was. It was some job that I'd clearly Whatever. done for like money and not because I for money and not love, and it wasn't a lot of money. You know, mm-hmm. um, right? But right. I, yeah, I think the idea was it was. You know, Dean is a totally amazing dude, but I feel like there was a conversation where, like, you felt that Dean and I together, and at moments that Dean was kind of focused on some technical stuff, I could sort of, like, fucking do the soft shoe and sort of try and maybe help some, like, bigger aesthetic stuff come through, you know?
0: Yeah, there was a comfort... I mean, I think it was... I mean, I can think of, you know, in in the, the way I'd phrase it, because it really worked, um, was that it was adding just another trusted creative person to the mix. And and
1: I think you guys made a really good read that Dean and I were going to get along. Because it's kind of a weird situation, right? You're saying to the dude who did the first (laughs) record, hey, we've got this great idea. We're going to bring the guy who mastered the first record in. He's going to drive from Minnesota, bring some fucking weird gear and some pedals and and then a bass for Galen to use because Galen's bass isn't in tune. And then, yeah, you're going to do the record with him. And to Dean's credit, he was like, okay, cool. And then the first time Dean and I ever met was, I remember I drove straight to Di- Gigantic, and I remember really distinctly like, driving through the tunnel, coming to Gigantic, and unloading my gear. And I think there was that minute where Dean and I were like, is this dude here to do the same thing I'm going to do? And then I think even within setup and discussion, it was like, oh, no, we have a totally complementary set of skills. And I think in order to kind of get this record where everybody wants it to go. It 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 felt like, you know, and I do love pro wrestling. It felt like some, you know, like some tag team shit. Tag you know? And I think that was a I think there was probably maybe something you guys saw about the way that Matt and Dean worked, that it's like, you know, this is somebody we trust. It's a little bit of a it's complimentary but different. And, you know
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that Yeah, I think that, that was um probably the case. I mean it, it strikes me in hindsight. I was thinking about it, that. It was a weird. On some level, it was a weird. You know, like you said, it's like, like it's a weird pitch to yeah. Dean. Dean seemed to take it in stride, yeah. and and then it worked. It couldn't have worked better. I mean, you guys hit it off amazing, and are still yeah, we're still friends. friends.
1: We still work together. It was great. I'm, you know, that record is, um, you know, I'm super, super proud of the job we did, and I don't think it would have been, yeah, as. I, I think with everybody involved and, you know, and there was some, yeah. some real weird shit on the technical, on just on the recording side happened in the course of that re- recording that really could have like, things could have gone off the rails. And I don't know how much Dean and I kind of like let that in, but some real weird shit happened to Gigantic, um, with relate, you know.
0: There was definitely a feeling as a non-tech, non-gear person that, the studio in Gigantic was filled with expensive stuff that didn't work.
1: That is an incredibly <laughs> accurate, um, and and I feel like I had like a vibe about that beforehand because I remember I bought, I remember I brought a handful of mics, and I was just like, I just got a weird feeling about this place, like their mics aren't going to be working. And I remember that yeah. we got there and it was like, yep, it's a good thing I brought these five mics because we definitely wound up using a bunch of them. And yeah, it was just, you know, it was the whole pitch was oh it used to be philip glass's studio remember that was like in the, yeah. there's this yeah, yeah, great yeah. piano that they that they couldn't move out of there and then we get there and you know the piano's fucked there's that whole did you guys talk about the piano tuner at all
0: well yeah Franz didn't remember it as well as, as uh, the that i think the piano tuner came and he was yelling at everyone you
1: specifically me and dean you know. The whole
0: situation was strange Because the guy who owned the studios Who was also giving us about a month of free studio time Would sometimes wander in And that was weird too Because I never knew I mean anytime you're getting something for free There's like weird strings attached yeah. that you, At least you know you can't be, speak to And he had a neck brace on For the whole thing. <laughs> he <did. laughs> He'd been in a car accident Lisa what about Los Angeles it's just that we never really made it the far west. Yeah, we scored back in Denver. And we thought it might be best. To go hang around in the upper Midwest. I gotta say that like I love
1: like revisiting these records too, I was struck like I love Almost Killing. And I love the yeah, way it yeah. sounds, and so I was like Yeah, I was really stoked, and it, you know, I think the the whole thing that's sort of interesting about these records is that if you think about it, like it was kind of being driven by three old hardcore dudes, you know. Well, that's that's exactly
0: what I want to talk about because when I talk about almost killed me, I I know I'm into hardcore, yeah. But like it had kind of faded through lifter puller a little bit, got more indie, and then when I moved to New York, I'd rehooked up with Matt Henderson, who was agnostic, agnostic front, Madball. Through him I meet Dean. The Holt Steady records it with him. And all of a sudden we're sort of hanging out with him. And I feel like there's this sort of second coming of, or at least hardcore has re-entered my life in some way. Yeah. And it somehow informs the Holt Steady in a way that I can't quite. I mean, I think like almost killed me. I'm talking about clever kids. Right. That's something I got from Dean. Yeah, for sure. Dean would say. And so <laughs> there's this sort of re- re-emergence of hardcore on those at least, that almost killed me, and and I, I wondered if, I guess you knew me and Tad right. and Bobby,
1: right? And I had sold Dylan there... a bass amp when he uh, moved to New, a bass right. cab when he moved to when he moved to New York, and it may have been the yeah. bass cab that he was still using when we did um, the West. Um, no, that a... was a one fifteen Ampeg, I believe.
0: Okay, yeah, hmm.
1: there was this element. Where it just was like, okay, this makes sense. And I think there's this... I have this whole theme. I've talked to, like, John Reese a bunch about it and other people is that, like, there's a difference between, like, hardcore kids and, like, punk kids. You know? It's, like, kind of the... It's like, comes out of the same scene. You listen to a lot of the same music. But I think that there's an element of, like, hardcore kids, people who look back and it's like, oh, I'm an old hardcore kid. Where there's, like, this, like... Everybody's kind of got to work together to straighten this shit out because it's like you know you're you're a little on the outside of both scenes it's like there's nobody who's just going to be like oh you know you've got a bunch of you've got like a mohawk you're all right or you've got a bald head you're all right you know and i right right i think there's like this inherent like um like hustle that goes on and like willingness to be like well i don't really Know what the fuck is gonna happen? So these dudes also don't know what the fuck is gonna happen. So if the three of us stand together, at least if the skinheads try and kill one of us, the other two can help get them out of there. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah. That's a metaphor. I mean, you showed up, and I mean, like the one thing that happened, like in the I moved to New York in two thousand. We we recording Sep Sunday, I guess at the very end of two thousand four, December oh four. Our social life in New York, like, I'm thinking about the cover of Almost Killed Me, was is, like, all this partying yeah. and people partying. We were partying like crazy. Yeah. And, but it seemed like we were able to focus enough to make that record.
1: And during Separation Sunday, we didn't really party that much.
0: Like Is that true? Yeah, it's
1: true. And I think that is the, el- the other element that maybe, it's like, because, like, that whole thing, it's like, I, you know, I think it was, like, a little bit of, like, that tapped into the, like, the crazy workaholic shit that I tend to do in the studio. And so we had yeah. super long days, and it was just, like, when we were there, we were working. And I don't remember mm. – I, I remember, like, a few nights – and we walked pretty straight through for, like, six weeks. Um, and I think yeah. we took a break around Christmas, and um, – but I just remember working really hard. I definitely remember having some drinks, and I definitely remember yeah. – S- some people getting fucked up, but I, it, it was like, it was pretty intact,
0: you know? Separation Sunday was a big, uh, a big record, obviously, like, you know, it came out and put us into a different place. And right. Boys and Girls then did the same, but, sep Sunday was a, you know, versus, almost killed me touring the shows would be roughly like, um... Lifter Puller, except sometimes we play play Savi Favre and those shows would be big. Right. Except Sunday, we start, like, selling out clubs, you know? Right. Did you, when we were making it, did you feel like it was going to go well? Like, or yeah. well, at least when we were on, you I, felt like it was...
1: I, I have, like, a really distinct memory of us, like, and I can't remember what song it was. Yeah. But I have a really distinct memory of mm-hmm. cutting... We were cutting some basics and it seemed like they were going pretty well because we kind of cut the. I, if I remember correctly, we kind of cut drums and bass together with Craig doing, with Tad doing a scratch track and you maybe did scratch vocal and guitar in the control room with us, I think. And we tracked, we tracked the tape. And I remember, so it was like, you know, that whole compartmentalized thing where you're constantly kind of like, at that point in recording, you're not really so much looking at the larger hole, you're looking at the pieces. And so it's sort yeah, of like. Yeah. And I I, one of the things that I really wanted to do from hearing a little bit of this stuff and that Dean and I really talked about was that I I felt like there had to be these moments in sort of the orchestration of how the record sounded that served the narrative shifts, you know? And and one of the things that we really wanted to commit to was having these options at mix. So when we were tracking Bobby's drums and we were really tracking any of the the instruments um, we made sure that we always had, like, a handful of, like, basically, like, like bonus shit. Shit that allowed for these sort of, like, scene changes. Mm-hmm. So we could sort of, like, feed what was... Because, though I didn't know exactly where things were going to go lyrically, I had an idea, and that was one of the things that I, I wanted to have. There was... I I wanted to make it as close to a visual mm-hmm. audio thing i remember that really being fixated on some of the cinematic qualities of like you know obviously knowing you for a long time working on that stuff i wanted that to be sort of this next step where we could kind of fully realize this sort of like you know cinematic um presentation and so i remember when we were committing that and and there's like when we started to see that stuff blossom it wasn't so it was like we were i felt like we were kind of throwing everything down like i remember having like a bunch of drum mics, and we check them, and I was like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck we're going to do with these. I don't know where I'm going to use them, but we're going to use them. Wow. And then we, I, I remember it, we had, the the power was all fucked up. And another thing that's weird about Manhattan is that because of the terrestrial mm-hmm. radio networks, um, like the cabs in per- particular, you have horrible um, interference into yeah. guitar pickups. And of course, you know, with, the, with like... <laughs> At least the cube, and I think maybe you at that time were playing single coil pickups, which are really susceptible to that. So we wound up having to do all kinds of crazy shit to basically like block out like fucking like a dude yelling in a high pitched voice about picking up someone, and uh, like it was this whole process. And so I remember being really fixated on just sort of these like technical components, and then. I want to say like five or six days into the record when we started cutting some of like Tad's like keeper guitar tracks and sort of like Franz would come in and I remember Franz would check his email in like the like the right hand side of the control room and just kind of like hang out and observe and I could never tell how fully engaged he was but I felt like he was sort of fleshing his parts out and it was about a third of the way into the record when we started to see where this was going to come together I was like oh shit. This is gonna. We are gonna be able to get. This is gonna be more and bigger than just our really badass rock record, you know. And and it was. And I think it was, you know, uh, there was. And it, I have this weird memory of, like, trying to work out a piano part with Franz, him working on something, and I remember like mm-hmm. going and grabbing like, I think some fucking Wu Tang song, and there was like a p- piano part and a Wu Tang song, and trying to like talk to him about that, that piano riff, and then him being like, I think I know what you're talking about, and then really nailing something, and, um, and it's in,
0: uh... Is it in, um, Multitude of Casualties? Yes. Is it ding, 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 ding? Yeah. I think, yeah, I, yeah, that makes sense, that makes sense. What, And for some reason,
1: that weird little, like, probably 15 minute thing, I was like, oh shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: You know. How about, you know, uh, the title, Separation Sunday, and uh, I don't know if you remember, but at one point I decided even, I came up with the title, and then I abandoned it because mm-hmm. I thought it would be poorly, it was too hard to spell for people.
1: And you know what's and
0: f- funny I, about I said, youth. I wanted to call it Youth Services. Right. And you were the one who was like, no, like, this is record is Separation <laughs> Sunday. <Yeah. laughs> And I, I thank you for that because oh, that, was, uh, that was that was, that uh, was that was, I mean, youth services, well, I, I went over this with Gail's, and Gail's like, well, that is hardcore. Yeah. Sounds hardcore. And I think that that's probably what I was thinking, but I think we, it was a save.
1: Oh, I mean, I just, to me, it made a ton of sense, you know, and it's like, it was one of those things. And it's funny because I remember you were just like, yeah, it's going to be fucking hard to spell. And then at some point in a recent chain on the reissues, I was sent something with Separation Sunday misspelled.
0: It's the only time I've seen it misspelled then, or I I didn't see it because I have to say it was never an issue. It never became an issue.
1: That's what it seemed so funny to me was that all this time it like made me think about that because I'm like holy shit, there finally is misspelled. I will say that Dean and I were incredibly aware of that when we were always like typing up like like uh, like saving stuff. We'd always be like, whoa, okay, hang on, S E P A R. Yeah, yeah. It How was, about, uh...
0: did we not finish at gigantic or did we have to go because we did something at a right. time? Here's
1: yeah. So here <laughs> we had this break. I, I think what it was was maybe we had like. Just under four weeks of studio... Part of the deal with French Kiss was they had this time at Gigantic. Yeah. And then um, where we were at in the world of digital recording was sort of like... It, that technology was kind of in the infancy of where it is now. So kind of like in the middle stream of its age. And um, Design had gone to this, uh, this system where they would split all the audio onto multiple drives, mm-hmm. which you know if you think about it it's a terrible idea and so what happened was the server went down at gigantic and we oh. took a break and i think there were some we were going to do some horns at atomic and a few other things and then we get to atomic and we're missing chunks of the songs nah and then we go back to gigantic and try and get them and they're they're gone like they won't resync the database so we wound up having to
0: cut like, more horn parts, I think we recut some vocals, like, um... I think we did Resurrection, maybe, at Atomic. Is that possible? I
1: think so. I think we were initially just gonna kinda go and do a little bit of touch-up stuff, and then it turned into this whole thing where we had to, like, book a couple days, and, <laughs> you know, I remember Mark being around, you know, um, which is not a big surprise. Mark? And, uh, Mark. Ryan? Yeah,
0: Oh wow! Yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember Mark Ryan being on the couch to yeah. continue the hardcore theme. <laughs> Speaking um, of
0: hardcore, yeah, Mark yeah. Ryan from Super Touch. But, uh, and that but, Atomic, I I would also have been mentioning Atomic, brought with it yeah a cast of characters that was uh, was, uh, I loved because it yeah. added to like the things we were singing about. But like there was there was some definitely like some fringe peripheral characters around Atomic.
1: Yeah, it was. It, it was definitely like. Towards the end of tracking, we I, – I, and I cannot for the life of me – I assume it was related to sort of the technical shit. We had some weird technical shit at Gigantic, but there was kind of a we didn't have enough time to do what we needed to do at Gigantic. Mm-hmm. So then we had to go do stuff at Atomic. And I remember the whole – I remember like having to – I remember staying an extra two weeks and then getting <laughs> snowed in. you know Yeah, um, yeah. And, then and I think we all ended faster.
0: up, did we all end up like at the end of it? Or was that when the record came out that we had like a dinner at SID's?
1: Were you there for that? Yeah, that was at the, I I think that was the end of the recording. I remember yeah. we, yeah, we went over to SID's. We had like
0: a big dinner, uh, yeah. sort of kind of to wrap it up, which was cool.
1: Which was really cool. And I, I also, I have this really, there was a point in the record where, there was like some sort of direction stuff. It might have been when we were talking about mixing. I remember we kind of had to have like a band and like every, everybody working on the record meeting at a bar that like Bobby hung out at all the time. Do you remember this at all? No. And I had no. to like, I remember like coming up with some insane, like some stupid, dumbass analogy about a rock and roll bird and talking the about rock
0: eagle. Of, yeah, is it the rock eagle?
1: Maybe, and that like the guitars were the wings of the rock eagle, and there was yeah, this whole, and, the, like,
0: and the piano were the feathers, something
1: like that. Yeah, I can't for the life. Franz?
0: Franz remembers this. I don't. Franz, yeah. Franz brought this up.
1: Yeah, and it was just like there was some tension that needed to be worked through on the guitar keyboard balance. Yeah, um, you know,
0: uh, <sighs> um, and, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know, is it possible I wasn't there, or is it possible I just wasn't paying attention?
1: I think you were, I feel like you were there, but not, like, just being like, I think you were kind of at that point where, you're like, <laughs> whatever, this just this is going to get fucking worked out, and, um, but
0: Well, it, it worked.
1: Yeah, yeah, it worked in the end.
0: All right, that was Dave Gardner and myself. The reissues of the first two albums are out now on French Kiss. Please enjoy. Hope you enjoy some of this exposition and uh, memory searching about the first two records. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for listening. Stay positive.